This is the Geek Therapy Podcast. Join Lara Taylor and me, Josue Cardona, as we celebrate how geek culture is saving the world. Currently, we're focusing on a geek therapy library. The library is designed to help fans communicate through their favorite movies, books, and games. It's a resource for therapists, teachers, and parents to find a way to work with or talk about important things through awesome content. Welcome to the show. Hey, Lara. Did you watch Guardians? Of course I watched Guardians. Good, because that's the only thing we're going to talk about today. Awesome. We went we we went on too long last week. So so let's keep it let's keep it short and simple this week. So full spoilers okay. for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And what what we're gonna do is what we usually do, which is we look at a piece of media and we look at relatable themes, relatable ideas, relatable characters, and in you know our discussion we will talk about how someone might be able to use this to teach something or to bring up a particularly difficult discussion in therapy or you know just parents who who are you know trying to trying to talk to their kids trying to talk to a friend all that kind of stuff that's what that's what the library is about and and that's what we're going to try to do now on the fly <laughs> on the fly with I uh, took no notes yeah as well, usual it's okay <laughs> <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So just like, did, did you like it? What'd you think? I loved it. I could, a lot of people said, I went into it and a lot of people said, it's it's good, but it's not as good as the first one. I think they are different, but equal. I think they are so, oh, it's so good. Such a good movie. And if you <laughs> haven't seen it already, I don't know why you haven't seen it already. It's amazing. <laughs> well, amazing. It's, the one thing that surprised me was that, you know, the first one is, it feels to me like I would, I would describe it as a space opera, you know? Yeah. There's, it's, it's huge. And even though in this movie you're supposedly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, or the characters are supposedly saving the universe. Yeah. Maybe. It's really, it's, it's not about that at all. It doesn't feel like a big movie. It feels like a very, very, I mean, it is a very personal movie. It's about, Mm-hmm. relationships between just a small group of people and then within that group very very specific one-on-one relationships you know and so it's it doesn't feel like it has this huge scope like the first one does but so it is in that sense a very very different movie but man did i cry a lot during this movie i <laughs> I, I cried a lot i gotta stop saying i don't cry at movies yeah don't, anytime don't rocket yeah anytime rocket had an emotion I cried. <laughs> Just any emotion? Yeah. The end of the movie, I was yeah. bawling at the end of the movie. Just yeah. any time. Yeah. So so, so I'm, I'm not sure, but doesn't the movie end on his face? Yeah. Him right? crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the movie. That's, that's what the movie's about. Oh, man. So, so there's some, I mean, there are things that jumped out at me a lot and, and, and I'm sure you too, because of the, the clients that we've worked with in the past, mm-hmm. the, the age groups that we've worked with, the, 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 the systems that we, that we're in. Um, so kind of what jumped out at you, what, what or I don't know, just anything about the movie. <laughs> Um, the biggest thing, and I talk about Rocket all the time because he's my favorite. Um, I saw the movie in a Rocket, the raccoon, Rocket Raccoon onesie, just, uh, yep, totally dressed up with my little baby Groot, uh, statue in the, in the <laughs> cup holder. It was great. Um, and throughout the movie, I 
kept relating him being able to see kids that I've worked with in the past relating to him. Um, he gets picked on throughout the whole thing and he's very gruff and angry because he doesn't want people to get close to him and he doesn't want to feel things for them because then it's going to hurt. Um, and they say that in the movie, like outright. Um, yeah. And he admits it um, and in, in his own way. Uh, and I work with a lot of kids in foster homes that feel that way. They've been bullied and picked on and gone through all kinds of horrible things and they don't want to let people close because it hurts. Um, or because they've been um, either abandoned in the past or betrayed in the past. So you don't even want to mm -hmm. get to that point. Right, right. And just his, like, he's so mean to everybody, and he's so funny, and he wants to, like, I see that. I see my kids doing that exact thing. I, I don't know. There, there's just, oh, he doesn't want, like, he never asked to be a freak. Like, he never asked to be made into a cybernetic, genetically altered raccoon that is not a raccoon. Not a raccoon. Um, but totally a trash panda. Mm -hmm. which, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is so Which worse. is worse. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. Is that better? Is that worse? <laughs> it's so worse. <laughs> um, and I feel like I have this connection to, to him because of the, of the... I mean, I love animals. And he doesn't even know he's an animal. <laughs> um, but also because of the, the type of kids I work with. And he just seems so much like them. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he was so human, right? The portrayal mm -hmm. of him was so real that I saw so many kids that I've seen in the past in him, right? Like almost word for word, you know? And, and mm -hmm. the, the way they said things, it was it, – it hit really, really close to home. And um, – uh, that part when when Peter just looks at him is like, what's your what's your plan here? Like, what are you you know? Like, you're you're obviously trying to push everybody away. Like, it's mm -hmm. not even you know. It's like we're joking a little bit now. Like, it's definitely not a joke. You're you're on a mission. What mm -hmm. is what is your goal? You know, and it's almost like he's his therapist in that moment, <laughs> like confronting him with what is going on, and he just shuts his mouth. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that could that could be said in therapy. Maybe not with that tone, <laughs> right? No, not with that tone. I <laughs> yeah. mean, he's already he's pissed off at him. But yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. it is something that somebody might say. Like, it seems like your behavior is, you know, showing people that you don't want them to be close, and you're pushing them away. What's up with that? <laughs> yep. what, what What are you trying to do? What exactly? What's What's uh, What's the end goal here? And. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's a way better. I mean, I'm glad that it. I'm glad that Peter was able to like. P Peter is probably still like the most immature of all of them, and even he uh, had to step up for a moment. I don't, I don't know about that. Really, who do you think is more immature than Peter? Rocket. <laughs> really? Well, well, even like even though he's he, doing that, he, right? he he wants people to steal people's eyes and. <laughs> Because it's funny, Lara. Because it's funny. <laughs> well, I still think I still think Peter is like the most the most immature. No, and even no, he has to step immature. back and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, what are what's happening here? Like we've got a job mm -hmm. to do. We're we're, you know, this is some something is going on. 
what is it, you know? And he doesn't mm-hmm. – maybe he's not equipped to have that conversation further, but he 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 was – he was able to stop, right, everything that was happening to address it instead of continuing to argue or or fight with him, which mm-hmm. which I thought was really good to see. Definitely. Yeah, Rocket, I mean, Rocket is definitely, again, the movie ends on his tears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is a, an extremely personal story. And, you know, so he has, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of uh, nasty with everybody in the movie. Mm-hmm. At some point, even though, even though obviously, like he he obviously cares about all of them a lot. But yeah, he, he doesn't. But he shows it in these ways. That's like, I'm not gonna let you near me. I'm gonna be snarky and mean and snarl at you. And but when it counts, right? When it counts, like to save their lives, he's there. Oh yeah, right. Like he, he he even gets the line like, "I'm only gonna lose one friend today." Yeah. 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 Oh, break, breaking our hearts. Um, uh-huh. You know, and it's like, he, you know, he's he is he is Groot's caretaker. Right. Like He is taking care mm-hmm. of him, even when Groot was a giant. Right. <laughs> and, well, and, always... in, and in this movie, they all kind of take on the role with with the young Groot. He's not necessarily he is baby Groot, but he's not the baby, baby Groot that we saw in the last movie. Um, but they all kind of take on that role with him. Some reluctantly. He is smaller, dumber Groot, as yes. as Drax said. <laughs> yes. But you know, but there's that moment where Yandu's like, you know, you gotta take care of, you gotta take care of the twig. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, yeah, like he is my responsibility. And he, you know, he and then right there, like he takes care of Yandu. He gives him equipment to to save him and he or to you know, to at least help him. Like yeah. Yandu's gonna do what he's gonna do, but to help him. And he well, stops Gamora from getting hurt. And he, you know, he kind of saves everybody at the end as much as he does as much as he can. And mm-hmm. at that moment, you know, it's 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 serious, right? Like it's not a matter mm-hmm. of of like however I feel right now it doesn't matter, it doesn't trump how much I care about everybody and what I can do. Mm-hmm. And this movie was brilliant. I mean, the first one did the same thing, but having these serious moments embedded in a movie that is hilarious throughout. Um, and then there would be these serious moments and it makes it a little more palatable and you know that you can move on from this serious thing that just happened because you're laughing about something else right after. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so kind of like pulling pulling back a little and looking at it um, big picture or looking at the cast in general, right? So, so I mean, gr- um, I mean, Rec... Raccoon, <laughs> Rocket. Rack. He's he's one of a kind, right? And he was. There ain't in... no thing like me. That's yep. what he said. <laughs> yep. Right. So he is. He's alone, right? He doesn't have a family. He doesn't have um, a race. He doesn't have a planet to go back to. He's the only one. Mm-hmm. Gamora, we know Gamora was <laughs> taken from her from her her family, and she was adopted. A, Against her will by a tyrant who will, you know, who is Thanos and we'll see a lot more of. Nebula was in the exact same situation. Um, Drax that, lost his that, entire that's family. That's like an allegory to like bad foster family or bad like group home situation right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll get into it, right? I, I yeah, just want yeah, to go yeah. through everybody. Uh, Drax lost his entire family, right? So his mm-hmm. wife and his daughter died. He's alone. I think, I'm not sure if he's the last of his race. Like some of these, 
I'm not sure how many of them are the last of their race, but they're at least alone in that they, they don't have other people. And right. this is where they were when we met them in the first movie, right? But still, mm-hmm. that's, that's them. It's um, still the theme in this movie. Yeah. Peter, we see him pulled away from it. His mom died. He didn't know who his father was. He was taken from his home planet. And, you know, that, that's his situation. Yondu, we discover, feels a lot like, like Rocket. Right. Like he was that guy. And we see that he was um, because of a decision that he made, he was completely ostracized from his group, which were the Ravagers. Mm -hmm. And finally, we have um, Mantis, who is like literally raised alone on this planet. Yeah. Without anything but like as like a servant. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So like each and every one of them is alone in a sense. Mm -hmm. And. Most of them came together in the first movie, so now they are they have become a family. And now all these other people that they're interacting with are very similar. You know? Mm-hmm. None of them were like, Well, I gotta get back home to my family. It's like John C. Riley in that first one. He was never gonna join the Guardians, you know? <laughs> right, because he has a family. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think Nova I think Corps that, is for families. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I think it's really interesting to see a movie where with so many – like if that's the theme, right, of feeling alone in the world, but also – and maybe the bigger theme is, you know, creating a family versus uh-huh. belonging. Chosen family and yeah. like yeah. being able to bond over a traumatic situation like the first movie or like being able to bond – I don't know, just all these connections that they make between each other and um, – I mean, some of some of them tighter connections than others, and I I don't know. We know nothing about Groot or Groot's history in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's true uh, they've never talked about how he's technically a king, right? In the comics, mm-hmm. he's a king of, yeah, of his yeah. people, and but so. we only we know nothing because in the movie, all we see is I am Groot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I yeah, I can't remember. I know Rocket says a little bit more about him in the first movie, but it's in passing, yeah. and we don't really know um, much much about him. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention Groot when I was going through all the people. Like, Groot, we absolutely know nothing about him, right? He's, as far as we know, he's he's one of a kind also, and, you know, where did he come from? I don't know. We know. At least we know that he has, like, him and, and Rocket are a team, and that's it. Right. And so, and so you know, just to have all of these people that are in a similar situation, but but in different ways is just makes this movie in particular amazing for, again, feeling alone, feeling either abandoned or feeling um, lonely, feeling different. You like the the odds that you'll find a a person to relate to in this movie. uh, The odds are very, very high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like a movie of, of loners all coming together, building a family. And, you know, like I don't know. I think I think that's the biggest theme. Do you, do you do you have anything else to say about about either of those things? Like just feeling either alone or or the family building aspect. Well, and there's that, but there's also um, the wanting to find family um, mm. and wanting that connection to others. Um, Peter struggles with that throughout the movie. He he wants to build a relationship with Gamora. Um, he loves having his little group together and he's the captain and um and during the movie there's his really finding out what more about what his relationship with yondu was like growing up um and then he finds his dad 
and, you know, evil, crazy space god um, ego. And um, he really wants that connection and, and is ready to give up everything else for that and then finds out really what's going to happen and that the universe is going to be destroyed and everyone he actually cares about and the Guardians is going to be um, destroyed in this. And he's like, oh, heck no. And you killed my mom? No way. And that was the, that was the, that was the, like, the straw there was the, the, you're, you killed my mom? I cannot. Well, that's what took him out of the trance. Yeah. 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 Um, talk, um, talk about being disappointed. Um, right. Which, you built you know, up this, I, like, you have no, you have no expectations of what your dad is like. And you built this thing up when you're a kid. And then you, as an adult, you're like, you're never going to find him. And then you find him and he's this like perfect looking guy. Like he on the surface, oh, you have the cool dad and he's going to do all these things. He's going to play catch with me. Um, people in the movie theater, when they had the playing, playing catch scene, um, like would laugh. And it's one of those moments that you, you don't know if it's supposed to be funny or sweet. And it sounded in the theater I was in, like pe- some people laughed and then everyone else started laughing. But I just, as soon as they started forming balls of light in their hands, like, um, I leaned over and tapped my friend on the shoulder and was like, oh my gosh, they're going to play catch. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, like, you know, he's technically thirty around 30 years old, uh, Peter, at this point, right? So right. it's a long time coming. You know, he didn't have that. So so he gets to have that for the first time. It's It's odd to me how many versions of that, of being, of wanting to meet your biological parents and then meeting them and then it just not working out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of speaks to, the, in this case, ego, right? Like he was, th- there's a reason why he left. There's a reason why he killed Peter's mom. There's a reason mm-hmm. why he couldn't be there. He he couldn't, like he's not the type of person who could be there to play catch and do all of these things. And right. there are different versions of that with different kids, you know, that I've worked with. It's like ego, like ego couldn't be there for him. You know, mm-hmm. he couldn't be there to play catch. And I've seen so many different versions of that where the kids are, you know, the, or the parents are, whether it's drugs, whether it's a mental disorder, whether it's, um, you know, some, a, a million different things. Mm-hmm. They There's a reason why these kids aren't with their parents. And, you know, s- social services, um, family services, like they want families to come together and it's always so sad for me to see a kid that is that is brought back together with their parents just to be taken away again because mm-hmm. the parents like you want to give them a shot but they if they if they're not doing what they need to or they you know nothing has really changed those kids man those kids suffer so badly and and I can imagine someone relating with you know with with that experience for Peter again, like this is extremely exaggerated, you know. <laughs> right. ego, ego killed his mom, uh, wants to destroy the world, wants to kill all his friends. But the core of that feeling, um, and and the way we see and what we see Peter go through, is man, I've seen it. I've seen it way too many times. It's mm-hmm. really sad. In you know. some ways, he was better off with Hasselhoff as a dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. mean, and it, it's so funny for him to uh, finally admit out loud anyway, or to his friends, that Yondu was great, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or at least to feel that way 
but he had to have that ex- that other experience to kind of appreciate it. Well, because when you when you lose a parent, um, many times or never had a parent, um, you you get this idealized picture of whatever um, whatever you think they are, what they were. Um, I've worked with a lot of kids like that, that will, especially ones that have some experience with meeting their parent and then, um, either the parent dies or is no longer with them and they have no access to them. They get, they focus on the positives about that person and they get, they idealize them, um, or make up versions of them or or make up versions of them. Yeah. Um, and so, and anything you say that kind of pokes a hole in that story is a lie or um, no, no, no. You just, you just don't understand them. Um, you never met them, that kind of thing. Um, and so with, uh, with Peter, he had that idea with ego until, um, until the whole, until he, the whole plot to take over the universe happened. Um, but then he he sees what Yon because of that he is able to see that what Yondu did for him was more of what a parent does for a kid than what ego was gonna do for him um, in the idealized version. Um, and technically, nobody learned why Yondu kept him from his father until until now, right? right? Like uh, Yondu had never admitted that to to Peter. Which is, you know, like a big piece of the puzzle that was missing for Peter. But now, now it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what about um, siblings, right? Like the obvious are Gamora and, and Nebula and their relationship. But I think, I don't know if you saw it this way, but I saw Rocket and Peter having like a sibling relationship also. A little bit. And I saw it more... Um, when Yondu and Rocket started to bond more, like it, it was, it made sense in that way to me because, um, Yondu looks at Rocket and is like, you're me. I've been where you are. Um, and that was kind of like, not, not in the way he took on a father role for, um, for Peter, but it was, it was this like, here I'm gonna give you some advice, like fatherly advice kind of role. Oh, but I see, I see um, what you mean. More like a big brother, like a big like, brother kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, but kid, it, I, it, I, I don't make the same mistakes I did, or like I know where you are. That was you're just like me, right? Kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that made it, yeah, that it made it so that I could see a little bit of a a sibling kind of thing, like it, not necessarily siblings, but like a familial thing with the three of them and. um yeah, they they bicker with each other like siblings. Um, they call each other horrible things like Trash Panda. And I don't remember right now what Rocket has called Peter, but it, there was some horrible stuff said in, in this movie in particular. And they just constantly would not stop arguing uh, until Peter finally stopped it and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. the, the way the way they re- they 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 acted with each other reminded me of you know two two siblings who did not get along. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously Nebula and and Gamora that was that was kind of interesting. Nebula's comments about all I wanted was a sister kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, seems to come out of nowhere. 
But um, that's what this movie was about. It was just about family and and uh, relationships. And it so. was good to show that Gamora didn't even realize what she was doing to her sister. Like, she was just trying to win the fights and, like, didn't realize what kind of a... Like, every time uh, Nebula lost, Thanos would take a piece of her and make a cybernetic thing. Like, she has no brain now. She has, like, a robot brain because they got into a fight and Nebula lost. And so Gamora didn't even really see things from the point of view of her sister. Yeah, um, yeah. It's and, not so and, much... And siblings do that. It's they're not like, so much that one of them did something to the other. It's that there there are very different perspectives on what was happening. Each exactly. of them was just doing their thing and the other one um, felt a certain way about it, right? So, I don't know. It seems like Gamora just thought that they were always fighting, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. both hated Thanos, which was funny, right? We learned that in the first movie. They both hate Thanos, but they... They also they seem to each other. <laughs> each other, right? Like, why didn't you guys team up and hate Thanos together? <laughs> um, I, yeah. I was I was surprised by that in the first movie. So to see, you know, that maybe I mean they don't explain this. I don't think, but it seems like maybe Nebula was taken uh, was brought to Thanos after Gamora, and maybe Nebula was smaller. Maybe Nebula had a sister. And she was looking hmm. for the relationship she had lost. So, I mean, to see Gamora in that light, that like all I wanted was a sister. It, you know, there, there's probably more there that, that that just wasn't in the movie to make that um, believable. But re- whatever the reasons were, again, like that, that that happens. You know, you you whether she lost those relationships or she just you know saw someone who was in a similar situation, so she wanted to relate. And unfortunately. You know, there's the bad parenting again. Like, the, he just wanted them to fight each other. Mm-hmm. So Gamora's trying to survive. And Nebula, I mean, for whatever reason, she j- may have just not been as strong or or as well trained. While Gamora probably sees her as getting these cool upgrades, you know, Nebula's actually suffering and being tortured and being uh-huh. uh, taken apart. But they, And thinking that Gamora just wants to be the favorite. and Yeah, yeah. And that she wants Thanos' love, and yeah, that's not necessarily how it was. So, but no communication they, will lead, and to none of them can. And neither one of them has any perspective taking on like maybe this other person is thinking this. Maybe Gamora is really just trying to survive, just like me. Maybe she's not trying to get me turned into some crazy horrific creature made Man. of wires <laughs> some family therapy for those two when they were little would have been very very helpful their therapist would have probably died their therapist would have been murdered by thanos of course but mm-hmm. they would have they would have benefited <laughs> and and the story may have been may have played out a little differently Nebula they might have banded together and killed thanos and we wouldn't have had any of these hilarious movies we wouldn't have infinity war <laughs> next year <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. And then I think uh, the only other thing I have written down is kind of the idea of, which we've kind of touched on, is the idea of a foster family, right? Or mm-hmm. a, like foster is a, is a, is a very specific term. Is it yeah. a legal term? <laughs> right. I mean, but, but the, the adoptive family, again, not in, not in a legal sense, but the idea that the, the family that you choose and. Yeah. Most people 
at least in the LGBT community, call it a chosen family. And that's the family you create for yourself. Family doesn't have to just be blood. It can be friends and and close people. Uh, Just like the Guardians are their own little family. But we do actually have adoptive families, right? In the sense that Yandu did kind of take, um, he did actually, you know, take care of Peter and kind of brought him into his family. He did actually steal him. He did steal him, (laughs) but he stole a whole bunch of other kids. The only one he took care of was Peter. Yeah. And then Thanos did, again, in a, in a horrible way, I think, I guess he, he killed all their families and then took them, but took Nebula and, and Gamora. And in a sense, I mean, they never, they never really, uh, we haven't really seen this or, or how it played out, or what their lives were like, or how long they've been with Thanos. But Thanos seems to, in a way, he seems to, they're like his attack dogs in a way. Mm-hmm. But he also seems to... Like be proud of them in a way. Like he's like these are the those are the daughters of Thanos. That means something, right? That is, and yeah. That strikes fear into yeah, people. Yeah, they stand beside him. You know, they they do things for him. Like they're an extension of him in the world. And as messed up as that is for them, he probably thinks he's doing all right by them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking, and um, I mean, th- th- again, that one's not very healthy at all. And honestly, Peter and Yandu's relationship was not healthy at all either. He had him like stealing for him, and the environment that he was in was <laughs> not okay. <laughs> But ultimately, he, he, they're taking care of these kids, so so that's where those comp- that's where there's those um, those family relationships get really really complicated because mm-hmm. there are shitty parents in the world that do shitty things, and but is it enough that there's a roof over their heads and they're getting taken care of? Well, Not and at least in at least in the Yondu situation, he is learning how to do things and learning how to be a person in the world. Um, I mean, he Peter was still able to have relationships with people. Um, Gamora now is able to, but um, I don't know. I don't, she seemed pretty out there in the first movie and ready to like just kill everybody and. <laughs> You know, but, I don't. I don't uh, feel that. I don't. I don't see that that much. She seemed pretty with it from the very beginning. Like she was off on her true. own, that's and true. she was trying to scam Peter. And you know, yeah. she took care of herself in the in the prison. So I don't know. I, I think I think she seemed more well adjusted than the Nebula. Definitely. But, um, but Nebula's Nebula's just a little more angry. Just but, just a little more. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we we see that her tolerance for people is is lower, right? Nebula's. And oh, she yeah. doesn't really tolerate the stupidity of the Guardians. Um, but it'll be I, – I was, I was sad to see her go at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish she would have stuck around. Um, I wonder – you know, I wonder what her role will be in, in, a, in a third movie or in, if, she, if she pops up in Infinity War. I'm assuming well, she'll pop up in Infinity War. She's probably going to – yeah, she's probably going to come up in Infinity War. She, her, like, goal when she was leaving was to kill Thanos. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so 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 we'll we'll see. But I kind of wish she would have, you know, stuck around. But now she's definitely part of, of an extended family. Mm-hmm. Whether she wants to be or not. <laughs> yep. Well, again, she all she wanted was a sister. All right. So that's all I have for 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 Guardians. Is there is there anything else that you think we haven't mentioned? I don't think so. I think we I think we got everything. It was a really good movie, and if you haven't seen it, you better go see it. <laughs> so five after credit scenes. Five. I Five know. Of them. 
five. So, so how do you feel? All right. So Howard the Duck shows up again in this one, right? And but not in the after credits. He was in the movie. So, take, so the after credits were really weird because there's the five after credits, but there's also the songs that are playing and the, the, the characters in the circles. So there uh-huh. were characters in the circles that didn't show up in this movie. Like, hmm. um, oh, what's, what's, what's his name? He's in Thor. He's the, oh, he was in Independence Day and in Jurassic Park. What's the name of the actor? Come uh, on. Jeff Goldblum? Jeff Goldblum, yes. Jeff Goldblum's character <laughs> in Thor was in, was, was in one of those bubbles at the end. Mm-hmm. dancing like all the other ones and so was Howard the Duck which is weird um, but like just Howard the Duck is such a a weird reference like I knew who he was in the first one and yeah. and, uh, and you I know I see I see him in the comic books I know that that's the version he doesn't look like the movie that came out in the in the 80s right he looks mm-hmm. like the comic book version now but the Sylvester Stallone's character that extra credit scene was really weird like I can imagine so many people in the, in the theater just saying what the fuck what what is this you know, um, they're, they're setting up another whole another thing. His character and all those other characters in that after credit scene, it's setting up this whole other. Um, I don't know if they're going to go with it in a movie or a TV show or anything. So I had to look it up. Do you know who these people are? I just know Sylvester Stallone is like Starhawk. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So who the hell is Starhawk? So this is <laughs> this is like the most. Um, the deepest, deepest, deepest cut <laughs> mm-hmm. in terms of lore and stuff that I think, I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy were already pretty obscure characters in, yeah. even in the comics, right? Like, they're obviously, they're more front and center um, recently, but I don't, you know, they're not like huge popular characters. So, but the now team- they are. <laughs> now they are, right? But the original version of the team, when the comic came out, I don't know if it was the 60s or the 70s, was actually the Starhawk team, the one that you right, see at the end. Right. So the end was a nod to the original uh, Gardens of the Galaxy team. You know one of them was voiced by, by Miley, Miley Cyrus. Cyrus. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so, so again, I really, really doubt that we'll get a Guardians so supposedly after Guardians 3, we're going to see more like a different lineup. and mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be Sylvester Stallone and Michelle Yeoh and Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I really, really doubt that. You never know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, that's kind of strange. But again, it was just – it was – I think – I don't know, because for fans who would have a who would, like I didn't know what happened, so I was I was kind of lost. Um, I thought it was very strange that they would get that whole scene together, but but for a fan that must have been that must have been incredible. But how many people would have really appreciated that scene? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think fan service is 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 going too far. <laughs> At what point are you are you really just? Um, making people scratch their heads and, and, you know, kind of saying, like, this isn't for you. Well, kind of- you know what, though? What I did after the credits was look things up, and then that makes me want to read, well, sometimes it makes me want to read comics, like older comics, and figure out what's going on, or at least look at Wikipedias and figure out what's going on. I like that lore kind of stuff. Um, there are people out there who are probably the same way, um, plus it's the after credit scene. So some people like, and I, 
it blew my mind that people still, in a, especially in a Marvel movie, left the theater as soon as the credits started. Yeah. Uh, like, we were sitting there like, why are you going to leave? Maybe they had seen it already. I saw it Thursday night. I don't know. No, no. I mean, oh, oh okay. Those people did not see it again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm just saying, fan service, what are you guys doing? At what point is too much, too much? At what point is too... Um, Niche, too niche, <laughs> too hard to to figure out. But, I mean, I looked it up, too. I, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. But uh, we'll see. We'll see where they pop up again. Again, like, we know we're going to see the Guardians in Infinity War next year. Mm-hmm. The, I don't, have you seen the video where it's, like, Spider-Man and Iron Man and and Peter Quill all on the set no, talking to each other? I haven't. No? I have not. Oh, yeah. Ooh. It's the only – it's not footage of the movie. It's them on the set. And it's, like, Robert Downey Jr. standing with um, – Chris Pratt and um, Tom Holland and Tom Holland's like, I was, I was in school when I went to see Avengers in the theater. Like, this is, this is, I can't believe this is happening. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yep. Cannot wait. All right. So that is our episode. That is our discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank you for joining us and we'll be back next week. You've just listened to Geek Therapy on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com.